The Washington Huskies played their first college football game in uh, about 11 months uh, in a game that was incredibly boring that we'll talk about that had some mild controversy. USC, the fight in Clay Helton's, they squeak another one out against an Arizona school. And we'll talk about the other Pac-12 games that were played. Oh, I should be leading with Colorado. Surprise package, Colorado 2-0, or whatever they are. Uh, yeah, that and more on this week's Eligible Receivers. He's Eric, I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fan. Ineligible Receiver, offense number 64. By rule, that penalty is disregarded. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. So this last Saturday started off in the Pac-12. Well, I mean, we lost an early Saturday game. Uh, but yeah, we started off, let's say, with Oregon and Washington State. Okay. That's, that's out of order, but that's the order it's on on my screen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So the Ducks... Uh, after beating a Stanford team that was missing their starting quarterback, went to Pullman, which uh, I think up until last year had been a mild house of horrors for them. They actually hadn't won a game in Pullman since 2016, which doesn't sound like a ton of time, but it just means they lost their last two times they went there. Before last season, the Cougs had actually ripped off four straight against the Ducks. And this game really turned right before the half. Uh, I don't know if you followed any of it, but the Cougs were driving to go up. They got the score to 19 to seven with less than 30 seconds to go into the half and managed to give up a touchdown after a massive kick return. Uh, And then all of a sudden their 19 to seven lead was a 19 to 14 lead. Uh, The Ducks went ahead in the third quarter, and then the Ducks just absolutely turned it on in the fourth quarter to win, going away by 14 points. Oregon, 43. Washington State, 29. Yeah, I think a problem that WSU has is that their defense is too small. Yeah. Like, like comically too small. Um, In fact, I found myself watching this game Googling where were the Oompa Loompas from Um, in – it's Loompa land, if you're wondering. Um, okay, it's Loompa land because I was I was wondering if like Rolovich was thinking to himself like that might be where Mike Leach like confined his recruiting, like on yeah. the defensive side of the ball. <laughs> like, yeah. like they're not they're not big enough, dude. I, I just like and Oregon recruits really well, as we all know, and has big dudes and they're fast. And I I just don't see how WSU. They're, they're definitely, like, a decently coached team. I'm, I'm coming around on Rolovich, although I still think he's kind of a jerk. And, like, one of their – one of WSU's, like, pretty key defensive players just entered the, the transfer portal a couple days ago, so Monday. Mid-season? Um, yeah, yeah. A guy that they had, like, moved positions, and apparently he had, like, at first feigned that he was happy about moving positions and then played a couple games, and now he's apparently less happy about it because he's in the transfer portal. Um, now, but, like, what's, they, can he play still? Well, probably not this year, but I mean, he can transfer, and then I'm assuming next year it's all good. Like this yeah. year doesn't count, as far as I can tell. Like, yeah, you know, like Oregon, one of Oregon's stud um, uh, DBs of flow, a five star. I, I vaguely remember him from the last recruiting cycle. Big, good, like legit five star guy. They got apparently has like a meniscus issue and is out for the rest of the year. And the, the sort of the, the 
I was reading some of the comments and there was a bunch of people being like, Oh, he's going to red shirt. He's going to red shirt. Oh, well, he's going to red shirt. And then somebody of course pointed out like, well, everybody's technically red shirting this year because there's like no eligibility is being burned by any of these players. Yeah. This, this is season. some, this is some different colored shirt this year. It's a shirt we've never seen before. Yeah. Like it's just, it, you can play in all the games if you're a senior and the next year you're just a senior. Yeah. Always be ready so, to seize the moment. Yeah, this uh, is happening, but it's not really happening. Strikes. Also, I have like an ad play. Make computer. the most of this opportunity. I can't hear that, but I do have more to say about that. This is happening, but it's not really happening. But we'll wait till we talk. Okay, go ahead. About that dog shit Husky game later. Um, so so anyways, yeah, Oregon, Oregon's bigger and stronger and faster than WSU and that definitely evidenced itself in the second half. Uh, and all the way to the point that Oregon covered the spread. So, God damn it. Yeah, God damn it. Son of a bitch, you know, because you, you, you know, you think you got these games picked right. And I was feeling so nice when, when the Cougs went up, I was frankly disappointed. They had to uh, kick so many, they were kicking field goals and then they were like going for two for no reason in the first half against Oregon, which I like till it doesn't work. And then I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Take your points. You moron. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I, I was actually I had an opportunity yesterday to go stand in a parking lot where it was pouring rain um, to celebrate the birthday of one of our uh, college mates, Paul um, and Shaggy was there. It was the three of us. OK, uh, just standing just in getting the, the band back together, just standing in the parking lot at Dick's um, having lunch for his birthday. Oh, that's nice. and uh, and we were lamenting some poor execution and play calling in a different game. And I recalled um, and, and credited you for this, so, so, so fear not, but I recall something you said over the years when a coach makes a bold play, like going for two in the first half or like going for it on fourth of one and you do like a, you know, try to like a halfback plunge kind of thing or whatever, which is like, if you're going to do that, that's fine. Better get it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Better get it. 100%. Because after you don't get it, like you can't defend having like the call that you made. So, um yeah, I was I was I was curious about that and these Cougs in their first half play calling as well, but you know whatever. Again, I think Rolovich take they're taking the right approach to this season, which is who cares? Like let's just go for it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And the, and uh, their quarterback, who I love so much, uh, was great again. Three hundred yards, yeah, couple touchdowns. Good little player. Not that bad. And uh, I mean, it's it's almost incredible to think about, but. You know, one more game this week for the Cougs, and then it's Apple Cup week. Unbelievable, unbelievable. I mean, did that just did that? Had you thought about that before I just said that? I mean, I knew it was. I mean, I know. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's Thanksgiving. I'm still. I I knew. I knew it was going to happen in the middle of the season, the way the season is this year. But no, I hadn't really considered the implications of it being uh, what, as we sit here now, ten days away. <laughs> Yeah, it's coming yeah. up. Yeah, coming right up. <laughs> yeah, all righty. Uh, so here was the actual first day, of the first game of the day. Uh, USC and Arizona played, I believe. I, I think that was the first one to kick in the conference. Uh, and the Wildcats gave USC everything they wanted. We were saying no chance, Arizona. Although you, I believe you did have Arizona on the cover. Yeah. Um, but you know, we were kind of saying Sumlin, it's past him. He doesn't care. Uh, Arizona looked fine. You know what I mean? USC, they had the benefit of a game under their belts. Uh, didn't seem to matter because Arizona, frankly, should have won this game. Like USC, uh, had to steal this one at the end. If I'm looking at the score, should never, ever, ever be a double digit favorite. That 
It's just free money. I can't believe like we've got to start gambling on this. Like which is not this is ridiculous. Um yeah, but I agree. I watched the game. Arizona acquitted itself nicely. They got a good running back. Um really good running back and USC there's just there's just something off. Like it just they just don't they look like a good team at times, but then you know, and they've got good players, you know. I mean, they you know, like Keaton Slovis completes 70% of his passes. That's pretty good, you know. Like their receiving core is a bunch of five-star guys that everybody wanted. That's pretty good. Um, you know, probably half their offensive line is going to play in the NFL, but they just can't. It's just like Clay Helton is just like he just does Helton things, you know. And they miss field goals. They just do dumb stuff and keep the other team in it. And on defense, they're just not that good. Uh, I think we've got two weeks now to sort of flesh that out. They're just not that talented on defense, but. You know, they get back and get to win every week, which if you're a Pac-12 fan outside of USC, that's great because it means Clay Helton's employed for another week, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, what a game, you know what I mean? Four lead changes in the last eight minutes. Uh, uh, Arizona, uh, well, USC scores with 3.30 to go to go up. Arizona answers right back with a minute and a half to go. And then... USC gets a touchdown with 25 seconds to go. So, like, maybe the defense wasn't what it should have been um, there at the end, and people were maybe gassed. But, yeah, I mean, it's just what I take – yeah, what I take away from it is that something exactly, as you said, is wrong with USC. You This is this is an Arizona team that was at an absolute pushover in the conference last year. We all know what's wrong with USC, and we talk about it every week, so we don't need to belabor the point. It's Clay Helton, and so <laughs> yeah. it's going to continue to be wrong with USC – until they realize that they're USC and hire a proper coach. Yeah. So I would say, uh, yeah, let me talk about somebody they might want to consider as a head coach, Carl Durrell. (laughs) 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 Because the buffs came out here and put it on the Cardinal, put it on them. You know what I mean? Like you look at the final score at the end of this game, 35 to 32. And you say, ah, close one. It wasn't. It wasn't. No. This was Stanford scrambling back at the end of this thing uh, to make it look legitimate, and it wasn't. It just wasn't. I mean, it was uh, – let me go to our scoring plays here. Yeah, Stanford get 14 points uh, to close the game to lose by three. So uh, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, Colorado was up 19 points. Comfy. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. – I, this Sam Nor this uh, this converted safety that they have playing quarterback is great. Uh, the uh, you want to know who? Oh, here's something. You know who covered the onside kick at the end of this game that Stanford was trying to get it to you know get the ball back and score and tie it up or win? No, Le- Levante Chenault. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we got another Chenault, and uh, and uh, let me tell you. This was a pick and a half. I mean, this thing was like, I wouldn't have touched it, you know. It's had disaster written all all over it. It was going like, you know, 50 miles an hour, just burning along the top of the ground. And he just, you know, it's like the type of ball that nine times out of ten bounces off somebody's hands or legs or something like that. Stuck mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. got a, They got some paws in that family. Got good stock, yeah. He's good, you know, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, and then yeah. the man, the man, Jarek Broussard, super fun. These autoplay ads, dude, are just killing me. Are kill- This was not a thing last year. Or ever. Uh, 
Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, this, yeah, this Broussard guy, I don't even know what year this kid is. I want to learn about him now. Because I like, I like, I was like Steve Broussard. The yeah. old cougar guy, and I think he was a Seahawk. Yeah, sophomore. Awesome. Awesome. Carl Durrell, man, building a, building a dynasty down there in Boulder. Good, good looks looks great too. You know what I mean? Like he, uh, maybe it's just something about the uh, 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 powder blues or UCLA or something like that. Uh, but I, I feel like uh, this guy he cuts a more imposing figure in the black and gold. Well, black is very slimming, right? Yeah, and I think he has a peloton. So he's yeah. using it, dude. He's using the yeah. strength stuff yeah. too on it. Yeah, like he's doing. He's probably got the new one with the with the rotating screen. So yeah, he, he can do uh, he can do classes. Um, yeah. Other than just like the spin stuff. So, so yeah, good for him, man. Um, it's exciting. And, and the buffs have got to be, I don't know, this is, this is hilariously going to crash and burn for them in, in a little while, but for now it's fun. It's fun. And I, and I love the buffs as to you. So <laughs> let's ride this. Let's ride it. I'm a, I'm, I'm moving off of the ESPN as my score site now. Cause it's an auto play video ads. situation. We'll see how terrible it is at Yahoo. Yahoo, a thing. Remember, they yeah. were a big deal once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's—I uh, like to think about that—the the old days of the old internet. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I mean, America Online still exists. I I still run into people who use like AOL email addresses. I love that stuff, dude. That's like the best. I no, bet there are like nobody. Some... Yeah, nobody under the age of 70, but I still see it occasionally. I'd like to see, like, an Earthlink. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Net Venture. Like, some real weird stuff. Yeah. I mean, we used to, I mean, we legitimately, for a period of years, uh, access the internet via the telephone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're that old. Uh, that was like, you know, you'd, uh, what the hell did we use? I mean, it had to be, there was another one. There was a like a, a Netscape. Um, yeah, Netscape was the browser. Yeah. Uh, the first browser that came out that like Microsoft monopolied out of existence. That was the first stock I was aware of Netscape when it came out. I remember it like went it like IPO'd at like twenty and traded at seventy by the end of the day or something like that. Yeah. Give or take, you know what I mean. I mean, this is like thirty years ago, but. Yeah. It's a bit, yeah. So, I was uh, like, oh, people got rich off that. I would like to get rich off this. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> the internet, the you say. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh so yeah, so let's talk about uh so oh yeah, let's so uh, whatever. Colorado looks great, they're fun to watch. We'll we'll see what happens next for them. Next up, uh let's switch over to Sunday real quick and we'll talk about Washington last. UCLA had their game canceled. Cal had their game canceled. They said we're getting together. On Sunday, there's a Cal team that was, I believe, picked to finish ahead of Washington in the Pac-12 North. A UCLA team that was just coming off a, li- a loss to what, what frankly, uh, appears to be a national title contending Colorado team. Uh, yeah. So maybe we read too much into that. Because UCLA turned around and absolutely put it on Cal. How did this happen? This was on an NFL Sunday. Here's how much I watched of this. None. Oh, I watched some of it. Cal looks bad. The Garbers doesn't look good. Cal's depleted on defense. UCLA was moving the ball at will. Like, UCLA looks like it might be a good offense. It kind of looks a little bit like an old Oregon-style offense. They do that same play every – that, that quarterback read play yeah. a lot. Like, a lot. They do – it's it maybe a little too much. 
Um, but they they moved the ball pretty easily. They scored a bunch of points. Cal was kind of behind the eight ball the whole time. Never really looked look contenders in this thing. Um, of course, it's Cal's first game and UCLA's second game, and something that you're going to hear or have like I don't know if you've heard it, but I've heard it ad nauseum in the last couple of podcasts, weeks, and things of various things, which is that you'll never see more improvement from a team between their first game and their second game. The improvement from the first game to the second game is the most improvement you'll ever see. It's a very common football thing, and people who know football like to say that. So uh, UCLA playing in the second game, I'm led to believe that's the most improvement we'll see from UCLA all season because it's after their first game, their second game, they're going to be very improved. So we're going to watch out for Cal then? Yeah, because you don't see anybody improve more than they do between their first or second game. Um, but so, anyways, but that kind of looked true to me. I guess I guess that sort of holds true since I watched it on Sunday, and UCLA looks like way better than they did the week before. So I don't know what to make of it. Like, UCLA, you know, they, their quarterback, he's all right. I, you know, I don't know any of their players that well. Um, doesn't appear that Chip Kelly's done a great job of recruiting, but um, they're not. They didn't look totally hapless. Yeah, good for them, man. That's nice for them. You know, I mean, uh, Chip Kelly is probably the greatest Pac-12 coach that we've seen in our adult lives. I mean, probably Pete Carroll still. Yeah, but I like I've I would say yeah I would say it's between those two. Why I prefer Chip Kelly is because he like uh, it. It was clear that it was the coaching. You know what I mean? And like Pete Carroll obviously is a great coach which is crazy because, you know, I guess I thought back when he was at USC that it was just because he was able to get the good players. But since he left, that appears to be hard when you're down there. Uh, yeah. And to, like, make yeah. them play well. Yeah. Uh, you have to, like, drive all over L.A., I guess, you know, which yeah. Pete Carroll did. There's stories yeah. that how he's, like, just drive around L.A. Turns out he recruited L.A. really well. Good call. Like, really good call. Yeah. Won yeah. a bunch of games. Nobody's yeah, tried like, that since. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the best place to recruit in the nation, you know, outside of like, you know, Miami area yeah. and like Dade County and, yeah. and like Texas, you know, and yeah. it's and then it's like L.A. Yeah, it's up there in the terms of the pure elite and USC somehow s- screws it up. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, what I was going to say is that, like, I thought it was a lot, you know, like Pete Carroll did a good job getting the Jimmies and the Joes. Why I prefer uh, Chip Kelly is because at least at the, you know, really for his entire time there, they weren't like pulling in top five recruiting classes, you know, like he was getting guys to his system. I mean, they were at the end, they started getting great guys cause they'd been winning so much, but like, it was clear that it was like his scheme just absolutely exploded college football for like the better part of a decade there. And like there, yeah. you know, you, you, there was just nothing to be done about it in yeah, the I moment. Mean, he turned, he turned like Jeremiah Masoli into like a, a, a you know, good quarterback so that's that's coaching folks like yeah that's, yeah that's, that's, he coached he coached him up as they would say yeah and you're right and it's exactly as you said but essentially running one play yeah <laughs> amazing everything. it was like that one year of uh uh ncaa college football that we played a lot of back in college where there was a play see if you can get this if you, i think i remember the exact formation where he had uh uh Two receivers out to the right, um, and then like two running backs. Uh, both of and like in the the action on the play was you boot the quarterback out to the right, and there were just too many people on that side of the field for the video game to cover. So somebody yeah. would either be wide open, or if you had a running quarterback, they'd run for forty yards, and you just run that play every game. I I actually specifically remember one game I played you, 
this is back when the only time you could play somebody in a video game where like uh, I did not have a running quarterback on my team for whatever reason. And you ran that play on me and came back from like a ridiculous 28 point deficit in like the second half r- solely running that play. And, yeah. uh, and it's, and I, I, I wish I could remember what teams we were playing with, but, but I still remember that. And I was like, God, what a play. <laughs> what a play. What a great play. What a great play. Like, it was ahead of its time, man. Oregon, yeah. Like, Chip Kelly was running that play in New Hampshire, like, you know, on his, on his, whatever Nintendo. And he's like, I should just, I should just run this play. There's too yeah. many guys over here. You yeah. can't guard them. <laughs> yeah. I forced too many people to make decisions. If I can just, yeah, get these people to understand like two keys, then I've, I've unlocked football <laughs> and it worked. It did. It totally worked. And it worked. But yeah, anyway, uh, I would say shocking for Cal. Well, the offense has been one, the problem. Right? Yeah. Well, no, it's shocking, dude. This is a UCLA team that is still, uh, you know, more or less was thought to be doormat territory this year, especially for a team like Cal that came into the season with some aspirations to continue the build they've had under Wilcox. But the problem it looks like in this game, at least, in addition to the defense <clears throat> regressing by, by losing a lot of NFL talent, uh, their offense has never been good there. You know, they hired Bo Baldwin. It didn't work. Bo Baldwin's gone. You know, th- they throw the ball 33 times for less than four yards per passing attempt. That is disgusting. Well, I saw Monster was in the game at the end. That's never a good sign. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, for God's sakes, you know, like, if, if that game wasn't played in a hurricane, those passing numbers are abysmal. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I agree with you. I think the, I think the offense may be an issue for Cal, but I also think like their you know their week one game got canceled. Everybody's looking at the Berkeley City sort of quarantine rules and are just like completely disgusted with how that town set that <laughs> up. Um, you know, like if you're a football team, like and then the next week your game gets canceled, like not even your fault, but because of the other school, and you have to like pivot to a Sunday game down in the Rose bowl. I, I just think at some, at some point the Cal team, the players are just going to be like, this sucks. Like, you know what I mean? Like this isn't, you're not going to be prepared for that game. UCLA, you know, like that was a home game for them. Basically they yeah. just, they just got up and said, Oh, we're not, we're not playing Utah this week. We're playing Cal. Like UCLA is probably stoked about that. They're like, awesome. Cal's way less physical than Utah. Um, yeah. Whereas Cal, you know, I don't know. I think it's just a lot of things stacked up against them. So we'll see this week when they, when they play Oregon state, if they're, you know, if they have a better account, you know, accounting for themselves, but um, it could just be the confluence of a lot of negative factors, you know, that just kind of led to them being like not up for it. Yeah. And also maybe a component of at least offensively for California, where like their, uh, their uh, uh, coaching setup requires like some game planning versus the opposing defense. And UCLA is like, well, we're going to run our play. Yeah, yeah. We're on that one play. We're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we find out we're playing these guys, you know, 48 hours before it happens. Great, where the offense is installed. Yeah. <laughs> I will not be watching film. Yeah, exactly. All right, and then last up, we have Washington Huskies uh, in a late-night game, 8 p.m. FS1, uh, hosted the Oregon State Beavers. Uh this game was a shootout in the first half, and then uh, there were only three points scored in the second half. Dogs hang on to win twenty-seven to twenty-one. Uh, you know, 
Washington's really the only sporting team that I care about. Uh, so it was nice to be able to watch them again for the first time in the better part of a year. Uh, and it was the old feelings. We won, and I was essentially pretty upset the entire time. Yeah, and, and upset afterwards. And I went to bed grumbling, and my wife was asleep, and she's like, be quiet. And I'm like, well, we suck. Yeah. She's, like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, you guys lost? And I'm like, well, no, we won. And she just gave me that old, like, oh, awesome. It's one of those. Like, you know, like, one of those. That's great. That's real great. Yeah. So I would say that the big talking point coming out of this game, uh, uh, at least in the moment uh, as the contest was going on, was in the fourth quarter, Oregon State was going, I believe it was fourth quarter, second half at least, Oregon State was going in uh, on a drive and had two chances from third and like less than a yard. The uh, Between the two plays, the Oregon State running back appeared to have gained two or three yards, but that somehow wasn't enough to make the one yard that they needed to get first and goal inside the five. Um, you know, what my... So my takeaways are that they looked like bad spots to me when they uh, when they happened. I think Oregon State probably had a first down on one of those plays. The only things I've been thinking uh, about it beyond that are a lot of that outrage is based on the superimposed line on the TV, which they'll tell you a million times isn't accurate. You know what I mean? It's like an estimation. So who knows how right or wrong that was? We I don't recall seeing a shot uh, that was like, from where the sticks were on the sideline. Yeah. You know, like all the outrage was like, well, he went over this red line that nobody can see. How come that's not a first down? Uh, so who knows if it was a first down or not? I think it probably was. And then the my biggest takeaway from it is Oregon State went into the locker room at halftime uh, down three points in this game, and Washington only scored three points in the second half. Uh, so you should have won the game, dummies. You didn't have just one permission, one possession in the second half. Shut up and score more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looked like there was a bad spot. You're right. I, and I think, you know, initially they were saying it looked like it was off by a, a margin of yards, the spot. But then uh, Wilner, I think, posted a tweet that showed like a still frame. And his suggestion was like it was about a half of a body length, which you have to keep in mind, Oregon State only has running backs that are 5'4". So yeah. half of a body length is like two feet. Um, yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, you know, look, as you said, like if you leave yourself in a position to let the refs screw you, they're going to screw you. It happens to everybody. It happens to us all the time. And so like in those circumstances, I'm more than willing to acknowledge it was a bad call and probably a missed first down. And also, as you said, like it's on you, like go win. If you're Oregon state, like the, the fact that you let them make a bad spot matters. Like that's nothing I can do about that. Yeah. And, al- um, and also, uh, 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 here's another option on fourth down. Instead of trying to get a first down, you could kick a field goal and tie the game, which is probably what you should have done. Yeah. Considering like Washington wasn't threatening on offense either. And your yeah. offense was running the ball pretty consistently. And Washington had already missed a field goal. Whereas you seem to be competent at it. Uh, well, I guess they weren't, they hadn't tried one yet, but they like, you know, if you, if you can kick it, do it. I mean, um, it was extra point territory. You know what I mean? It would have been, it, yeah. it wouldn't have been like a 30 yard field goal. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, for me, the takeaway is like Jimmy Lake. This is it's his uh, you know his debut. I, you know, I, I said it last week. I said you know there's probably a probably an eighty percent chance a first time head coach fails, right? You know, like yeah. And I think typically that's because first time head coaches tend to get their their opportunities in bad situations, and it's hard to turn those around. 
It's yeah. one of the reasons that I don't hate Sark, right? Like Sark, Sark took over a terrible UW team, a winless UW team, and for his first job, you know, and and you know, got things turned around relatively quickly, got us to seven wins in his second season, you know, kind of stalled out there, but it's like that guy did a hell of a job in, you know, given the the hand that he was dealt. Yeah, massively um, upgraded the talent. I mean, was responsible yeah. for recruiting a lot of the key players on the uh, 2016 Pac-12 championship team. Yeah, so so you look at first-time head coaches, like coming out of the gates, probably 80% failure rate. I think with Lake, you probably move that down to 60 55% because he, he, had a, he has a lot of things going for him that others don't. You know, it's not a rebuild. Peterson handed him a really nice recruiting class, you know, and he finished it off. Um, you know, they've got some good continuity. He had Kwiatkowski in the booth last year as his like co-defensive coordinator. And now he just steps back into the coordinator role. Um, you know, like there's not a lot that was you know, quote unquote broken at UW, but still I would say the odds are in favor of, of Lake not this, not being a rousing success for him. You're not going to win a national title. You're not going to probably win the, you know, the, a lot of, uh, you know, Pac-12 championships and, and Rose Bowls. Prove me wrong. I'd love, I'd love to be wrong about it, but you know, even all that being said, with that expectation going in, he had talked a lot about being aggressive and being, you know, and uh, yikes, man, that second half, like when it was winning time for UW, they they were they were butt cheeks were clenched over on the sideline there. They were playing, they were playing pretty conservative. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but, but if I'm so, yeah, I I I thought that the offensive play calling in the second half was absolutely dickless. Uh, I can understand why. Okay. And that this doesn't mean I think it's right, but here's, here's, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of John Donovan, who I think called a shitty game, boring game that we were lucky. We didn't need anything from the offense to win. And, you know, at least, I mean, uh, good first half. I mean, 24 point first half, right? I mean, like, yeah, that works like every, every day that works. What I, what I, the, the reason I'm uh, not so mad if I'm trying to make the counter argument regarding the offense in the second half is that uh, the, the weather conditions were brutal. Ideally you want to be breaking in Dylan Morris starting his first game for Washington as a red shirt freshman against, you know, uh, Seattle university's football team which I don't yeah. think they have one, but that's who I want them playing. And I want them playing that game in August, you know? Yeah. Like 85 the, degrees and sunny in Husky yeah. Stadium with no wind. Yeah. I don't want that happening in a conference game, albeit against a lesser conference opponent uh, in November in a windy rainstorm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dylan Morris, uh, I, I have no reason for this, but he was the guy I wanted to win the starting job. <laughs> Just because he's like, I think he's, he's a Pierce County kid. So yeah. I like that. Uh, yeah. and, no, and nobody was talking about him, you know, he was like, but I was like, well, why does this guy have as good a shot as anybody else? You know, he's as regarded to recruit as everybody else here. Uh, and everybody had kind of, I, first I got the impression that people thought it was going to be sermon or Thompson. And I don't know what Thompson's injury situation is or whatever, but I thought Morris, uh, was very, very solid and quite frankly, his receivers did him no favors in the first half when Washington still managed to score 24 first half points. That includes a dropped third down dime that Dylan Morris threw to Terrell Bynum on one on the first or second drive where Bynum looked like uh, he was maybe anticipating a deflection, but the ball actually just got through and hit him in the hands and yeah. in the was, face. 
Yeah, and it was it was he was past the last defender on that, and he's fast. Like if he just catches that and turns up field, it's likely a score. But that's maybe the fourth most egregious drop because uh, Ty Jones uh, also dropped a ball in the end zone, which like his whole the whole selling point on him is that he's big, uh, and he couldn't make a catch through contact. Adunze, same story, uh, in the first half. A contested ball and the Oregon State received de- defensive back rather absolutely mauled him, played it perfectly, and it just looked like a man against a boy out there. But those are plays that have to be catches. And these are receivers, by the way, that were highly regarded. Highly recruited. Uh, not a not a, a like you didn't mention Puka Nakua, who had a drop. Um, you've got Spiker, who doesn't, I guess is injured, didn't play. You've got Austin Osborne, who I guess doesn't play. Every single one of these dudes was a four star. Yeah. Um, and Odozu was like a borderline five star. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, why he's playing as a true freshman. Like, we got to start making examples out of some of these guys. If you can't make a catch, like, you can't be on the field. Yeah. Like, that, so, that is unacceptable. So, Morris, in addition to not turning the ball over, uh, threw three catchable balls into the end zone to four star or better receiver recruits. And they caught none of them. They were doing nothing for him. So going back to the play calling in the second half, I mean, it could be that Donovan just said, these guys aren't going to catch anything. Like we're, (laughs) let's, 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 we're ahead. Let's just stay ahead, dominate the time of possession. Uh, And that's, you know, that's that. But so ultimately it ultimately worked, but I think, uh, I think uh, most of us would agree that it sort of reset our expectations in terms of like, okay, this team's not going anywhere. Yeah. 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 This team's not going to be like challenging at the top of the conference or something like that, that, that it's, it's really a tough balance because uh, like I was talking about, normally you have that non-conference season to kind of try, you know, just try some things to kind of figure out what your options are later so that when you get into these games that you have to win and every conference game is a must-win game, you uh, you know you have some sense of what you're capable of. Obviously, it's in a unique year, and we're not capable of doing that. But, yeah, I mean, the offense, I mean, if you look at the numbers, we're middle of the pack nationally yards per game. We've only played one team, and it was another Power 5 team. Uh, we converted half of our third downs and we're two for two on fourth down. Uh, we ran the hell out of the ball and we had a quarterback starting his first game who completed more than 50% of his passes and uh, didn't turn the ball over. And that uh, includes a lot of those incompletions were just drops that should have never been drops. And we have a fullback dive play. And we love it. <laughs> yeah. Like we ran it three times. <laughs> yeah. Which I like, you know, it reminded me yeah. of uh, Pat Conniff. Yeah, yeah, right. That's that proper fullback right there. Yeah, I I didn't mind that at all. They were saying that guy's a walk on. Westover. He's yeah. a, well. He's technically a tight end, but he certainly looks like a fullback because they line him up at fullback and then hand him the ball. So yeah. I don't know why his roster position says tight end. The man is clearly playing fullback. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know one of those that I've been trying to exploit and it's not been working in uh, fantasy football in the NFL? Uh, Taysom Hill, tight end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a tight end who might be starting at quarterback this week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, dude, I, I, like they won. I guess that's the goal at the end of the day. 
Uh, oh, another thing. In terms of like Jimmy Lake coaching wise, the only thing that jumped out at me was at the end of the first half, we there were like ten seconds left, and we were on our own half of the field, and we ran a running play, and then called a timeout with three seconds to go to run another play. Another running play. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "What are you doing?" Well, yeah, I, I mean, I not... guess like you can't. I mean, I I was like, "Oh, that seemed like an error." Um, yeah. <laughs> a... That was just yeah. like, "Oh, it'll be fun to call a timeout right now." Yeah, but I was yeah. like, only bad things can come from this. And then offensively, I don't, I don't know if like UW's plan going into the game was like, we're going to do a lot of rotation and then we're going to have a fresh Richard Newton in the fourth quarter to shut the game down. But to me, if Sean McGrew's on 90 yards on nine carries and then he doesn't touch the ball again from the middle of the third quarter to the end of the game, yeah. uh, that seems uh, like a misstep to me. It seems like you ought to have enough flexibility in your plan that if some guy's averaging 10 yards a touch, then you can work some extra touches in for him, regardless especially, of what you thought was going to happen. Especially if you're trying to ice the game on third and one and fourth and one twice. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Like, and and I understand like... that. I know McGrew has dropped weight uh, this year to get his speed back, which he absolutely did. He had bursts that he hasn't had his entire time here. And a lot of his, his runs were basically off tackle and kicking stuff out to the outside. Uh, so I can understand why you don't have men on like a third and one situation, but like if uh, all we're doing essentially is running this very vanilla three running plays and punt or, you know, three running plays and then we'll run some more running plays. Then you, for me, you, get, you have to hand the ball to a guy. If a guy has 10 yards of carry. Well, and McGrew, I mean, I, I always watch this in running backs all the way back to the, the Lewis Rankin days. Like, Lewis, Lewis Rankin, when he was a, a running back at UW, had like elite speed, right? Yeah. But if if he was running, if if let's say they were running to the left side of the line, and the the you know the left tackle and the guard, you know, seal their guys, and there's a, a three foot gap for Rankin to hit, and Rankin's going through there, and as he goes through, the defensive lineman puts his hand out and gets his hand on Rankin's chest. Yeah. Rankin's down. Rankin is down, probably falling backwards. Um, even if he was running full speed, like he, that guy had the ability to fall backwards at, for no reason. Whereas on the contrary, our, our buddy MMFG, the greatest running back in the history of university of Washington football, yeah. miles motherfucking Gaskin, like that dude always, always, always fell forward for another half yard or a yard. Always. Like yeah. he always had the right momentum. And I was watching that this week. I mean, McGrew is not a big dude at all. And but he he falls forward like he even when he just kind of runs into a pile and gets three yards, you know, he gets three and a half, you know, when 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 he's pretty stacked up at two and a half, he gets an extra yard. So I, I similar to you was was very bewildered um, by why he was not in the in the game at all in the fourth quarter, particularly when it was time to ice the game. And like if you ran a running play to the edge and he got the edge when you've been crushing it up the middle over and over and over again to no avail, like he's gone or at the very least he's going to scamper out of bounds. No problem with, you know, six yards and the game's over. So, yeah, I don't know, but I Lake did mention, I think on, on Monday that that was a mistake not to play him more. So hopefully that uh, will be rectified. Well, that's step one, I suppose, but <laughs> you get paid millions of dollars to recognize those as they happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, and if you don't, absolute jackals like me are going to be griping about it. Um, 
in, yeah. in a win. <laughs> like, yeah, in a win. In a win. Yeah. Couldn't be could be more mad. All right. So how we doing picks last week? Ah, you know, you and I are doing marginal. I went two and two, you went one and three. Wee. Worm went worm went three and one. Tubby went three and one. So now on the season, you and I are are locked in at three and five. Worm at five and three, and Tubby at seven and one. <laughs> Oof. Tubby's doing pretty good. That's yeah. Will it last? We'll see. Not if I stop entering his picks, it won't. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll catch what? up. Now, now I'm looking at these game times for this week. Okay, whatever. Let's talk about next week's games. Um, and I'm going to go, yeah, how about uh, you tell me the spreads because I'm looking on a different site now. All right. Let us start in Autzen Stadium. The time is TBD, which is what? ominous. That's ominous, yeah. I say that, I'm seeing that on my page as well. I didn't want to say it. Yeah, that's not that, great. That's like um, a determination someone should make. Yeah, that's it's coming up, guys. Um, the line is or there's a line for the game. So I mean, Vegas thinks it's getting played. The line is Oregon minus 13 and a half. Hmm. What do you think here? Chip Kelly brings his high-powered offense that he just discovered last week in the Cal game up to Oregon. You think Oregon's got two touchdowns on this UCLA team? I don't know. I've been fading Oregon these, I think, the first two weeks, and they've taken care of their big spreads. It's not working, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the Ducks this week. I am going to go with UCLA. I think I want to, but I'm, I'm – I just – I don't make... care enough to, like, try and be right. I just don't like Oregon now. Just how it goes. Um, oh, we have a good old-fashioned 12.30 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. I love it. In Research Stadium in Corvallis, Oregon, mm. where the Oregon State Beavers at 0-2 will be squaring off against the California a Golden Bears at 0-1. Cal Bears line, look, look like dog shit, and they're on a short week. And they're favored by three and a half points. Oregon State, <coughs> they've been moderately competitive against both the Washington schools in their first two games. Uh, their quarterback was a lot better in their first game than he was against Washington. Uh, he looks like absolute dog shit. Their receivers uh, appear to be, as you were saying, 5'4", five, 5'5". Five, five. They they had a guy on a kick return who uh, Washington stopped his forward progress, and then after the whistle, the Washington player was just holding him up in the air for a couple seconds. Yeah, his name's Champ. He weighs 140 pounds. Yeah, and then that guy turned around and got mad and was like, well, listen, you know, you're, I'm not the one that's been skipping meals. He had two, like, 50-plus yard returns. Go oh, yeah. Washington, Washington special teams were an abomination that we didn't talk about. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. So, are you going with Oregon State in this one, or are you going with Cal? Um, I'll just – I don't want to bet last week, uh, so I'll take Cal. I do want to bet last week. I'm going to take Oregon State. They got to they gotta get it going. I think – like I said, I, I'm not 100% convinced Cal's interested in this season. Um, you know – I, in Oregon State, John Smith's got to get some stuff going. He's got to get some juice. Um, so I, I'll, I'll take the I'll take the Beebs in this one. That leads us to a slew of night games. I will skip over that one for now. Let's start with the 7.30 p.m. Pacific time matchup in Rice-Eccles Stadium in Salt Lake City, Utah, where the USC Trojans travel in to meet the Utah COVID riddled Utes, USC three point favorites. 
you hate to see a team making, I mean, like, I guess Washington's only played one game, but that's pretty remarkable that we're almost to Thanksgiving and Utah's yet to take the field. Um, yeah, I think that's a problem for them. I like USC minus three in this game. Yeah, I'm with you all the way on that. I just like the talent gap on these two teams is already substantial. And then Utah hasn't played yet. Like they have to be the last power five team in America not to play a game. Like no question, right? Yeah. Potentially a packed stadium. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know what they're doing in terms of protocols down there. But I forty eight thousand people <laughs> yeah, will be there. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a pure road game. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't think it's going to help because I'm pretty sure that Utah has got some significant issues on the COVID front. The last couple of weeks, they can't have been practicing very much, um, and uh, and now they got to play a team that's you know won two games. That just seems like a, a lot to ask. So I, I'm, I'm with you on USC, but you know you and I are wrong a lot. Warm and Tubby both picked Utah, which kind of suggests to me that that's the better pick. Uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, their their teams are in like their opt the opposite uh, situations to be optimized, which is that Utah and their good coaching has been unable to practice, and USC and their bad coaching has been able to practice. Yeah, that's right. so maybe that cancels out. Yeah, <laughs> that puts us at eight p.m. the late late game in Stanford Stadium in Stanford, California. What a boring. That's, that's nowhere near as fun as like Rice Eccles or anything. But Stanford farm, Stadium in Stanford, California. At the farm. All right, we'll call it the farm. Um, you have your Washington State Cougarinos heading down to balmy Palo Alto to face the Cardinal at Stanford minus two and a half. What say you? Listen, dude, I like the buffs. I think the Cougs are better. I think the wrong team is favored. I think so, too, man. Stanford has looked terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Cook it up. Cooks. Yeah. We're going to go with a sweep. We're going to go with a clean sweep of the Cooks here. All four of us taking the Cooks. Which leaves us one final game to talk about. The picks are already in for this game per the rule of the pod, but five o'clock Pacific time on Fox at Alaska Airlines Field at Husky Stadium in Seattle, Washington. The Arizona Wildcats are coming in as 11 and a half point dogs to the Washington Huskies. Explain that to me. Real quick. I can't. Oh, no. <laughs> How can that be? And the thing is, this line came out two days ago, and it's basically stayed the same. I just re- I just refreshed it now because I thought maybe in the last hour someone had figured it out. That is I'm, too many points. Yeah, it's too many points. This is dumb. If I was betting actual money on this game and wasn't a Washington fan, I would be all Which we over. already have. We already have bet actual money via our our. Did we do it? Did we do it the other way? Yeah, we bet we bet correctly and bet against <laughs> spread here. Good. Yeah, because this is that's absurd. Yeah. That's uh, so anyhow, yeah. what what are you looking for in this game? Here's what I'm looking for. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna cover. We're gonna cover for real. And here's what I'm basing yeah. this on. Uh, just check the weather report. Ten yeah. percent chance of rain. I don't know what the wind situation is going to be. I refuse to look into that. Uh, and above freezing. Okay. So I say we're going to get a better, more conducive uh, to completed passes. But it'll still be cold by like Arizona standards, right? They won't like it. 
yeah, they're not going to like it. It's going to be in the 40s. The wind's not going to be too bad. If it's really only 10% rain and it's going to be like mid 40s, I mean, that's, this is, I'm going to go golfing that day. Yeah. <laughs> Just, and by five o'clock, you'll be done because it'll be pitch black. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no chance you're going to miss the kick because you're finishing up on 18. Um, I, I, this is a flummoxing line to me. As you said, Arizona, Arizona looked very competent against USC, should have won the game. Um, and Washington, you know, maybe they're going to unleash Morris a little bit. I don't understand why you wouldn't. This season doesn't count. It doesn't count. Yeah. It's like someone's going to win a national title this year and nobody's going to respect that. You know what I mean? Like nobody's going to respect it. So it, it unless it's Alabama or whatever, I'm be like, yeah, that's probably about right. Um, but it, it just do crazy stuff. If you're, if you're late, be like, let's see what we got. See what we got. You know, like, like get when we need to air it out, like let Morris air it out, you know, let, let him do it because there's no reason to play as conservatively as, as UW did last week uh, in a season where you might get six games in plus a bowl game. If everything goes according to spec, which is not happening in this conference right now, Yeah, which is every um, game. Like I was honestly thinking like during the end of that game last week, I was like, we got to win this game, man, because there's no telling when they're going to cancel the season and I can't have yeah. another winless season. This could be the only one. Yeah. Like yeah. this could be it. Like can't have it. So yeah. I mean, I just, I, I just want to see some more aggression on, on UW side. They definitely got to figure out uh, what they're doing in the, in the middle of their defensive line, because it appears the defensive line may be susceptible kind of maybe there's the rumor being that uh, Thule uh, led to Siganoa, I believe is that's, poorly pronounced but he might be out for the year the massive d tackle they had another massive d tackle by the name of sama pama um yeah sama pama s-a-m-m-a-p-a-m-m-a sama pama yeah um, that's fun he to say retired before, it is awesome he retired before the season uh i think due to injury issues so he's yeah. he's you know another 350 pound body that's not in there and then they have one other uh lot to another defensive tackle who appears to be hurt and possibly out for the season. That's a, that's like lots. He's like a, like an edge guy though. Right. He's like a linebacker slash edge rusher. Maybe. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. But all, when you add them together, it's like almost a thousand pounds of humanity between three guys that, that you don't have in there on D line, which is going to make it thin. And as you know, as we talked about earlier, Oregon state gashed UW in the running game uh, and Arizona's got a good running back. So um, I, this game, I'm, I'm, Cannot believe you was favored in this game by 11 and a half points. I'll tell you what, I, what, in terms of what I'm looking I agree with that. I think that's stupid. Uh, in terms of what I'm looking for, I would like to see uh, more downfield shots. Uh, and if the receivers that are starting uh, aren't getting it done, we have enough other guys that yank them out of there and give somebody a shot so you find somebody who can get open 15 yards down the field. Because Dylan Morris was largely putting the balls where they needed to be. Uh, in terms of like pure misses, uh, I recall one throw in the first half uh, where he had a guy one-on-one -on -one over the top and just like rushed it because he was anxious to get the throw off. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was a, uh, it was buying him deep, you know, and he missed him by like 10 yards. But other than that, it was, he, it was there. He threw some balls that were in that 10 to 20 yard range that were on the money. Uh, and just his receivers weren't helping yeah, him out. With receivers too, man, like, like 
receivers either are like they make it abundantly clear from day one that they are in fact a formidable presence on the field and they are not to be messed with. Perfect example of that is Reggie Williams. Like yep. the second that guy showed up, first game against Michigan, absolute stud. Like yeah, caught caught balls like crossed the middle of the field like was just unguardable from from this you know from the word go. But if that's not it, you know if that's not the case, then it's just weird if you look back at the history of. I mean, if you put Dane Looker in the receiving room right now, he would be the least regarded recruit out of all of them. If you put Jadon Mickens, you know, in the receiving room right now, or Jermaine Curse, like none of those guys would would stand out amidst the talent levels that are supposedly in Washington's receiving room right now. But all those guys, as we well know, were really good college receivers they they just they figured it out they had they it, caught know? the ball they caught the ball it's so important when you're a receiver <laughs> yeah um, and so Job to one. me like you said like let's start getting guys in there and let's see who's gonna catch the ball when it's thrown their way and then i don't care like if the other guy's taller or higher recruited or whatever if you can't catch you can't play receiver you know? yeah and also i don't give a shit about like I, you tell me i i don't know whether spiker's injured or not Here's one thing I do know is that he never played. I'm assuming this guy must uh, practice willfully poorly, like running routes the wrong way, lighting up on the defense, you know, because this guy never gets a shot. But I remember he was in the Oregon game last year making big catches, and he comes in as a wildly highly regarded recruit and never gets a chance to play. But from all I've ever seen of the guy is when he's in the game, he catches the ball when it's thrown to him. So yeah, he's got, he's got to be hurt. That's the only explanation. Well, th- but he's never really gotten a chance under Peterson. That's why I assume he like, maybe, you know, they realized he wasn't their kind of guy or something like that. But like, you know, it's like the same deal with like, uh, Craig Chambers, you know, who like, uh, didn't last in the program and had like kind of a reputation in terms of how his preparation was. But when he was in the game, he made plays and that's ultimately all I care about. And that's all anybody cares about. So yeah, like kinda, figure kinda out a crazy, way to make it happen. Caught a crazy Hail Mary from uh, Isaiah Standback once. That was insane. Oh yeah. I remember that because I believe I just finished playing Pebble Beach that day. Nice. So was, yeah, it was a good day. You know, how'd like you do on end. that uh how'd you do on that one downhill par three? Uh oh, the really short one. Uh, I made a par. I made a par. Nice dude. It's like nice. it's like it's like ninety eight yards. I mean it's like short. How's the wind? I played we the day we played it was seventy five degrees and sunny and there was no wind. Oh, that's huge. The guy in the pro shop said they get like 10 of those a year without the wind. Usually if there's usually if there's no wind, it means there's like fog. But it, like the day we played, it was just like sunny and beautiful. And it was, it, was a, it was a very, very good day in like all of the days of my life that's uh, up there. Beautiful. Beautiful. But, you know, Chambers also got a bomb from Stanbeck, I believe, on that on that day. He did? I know the play. I, I, re- I revisit it uh, occasionally on YouTube. There you go. Anyway, yeah, so, uh, yeah, but anyway, how do you feel about Dylan Morris? I talked a lot about how much I liked him. What was your feelings about him? Oh, yeah, you can let that Thompson guy go. Like, he's yeah. not a six-year senior or whatever. Like, he doesn't yeah. need to be around. Like, that's – Morris Morris showed me everything that I needed to see out of a quarterback. Like, very, very serviceable for his first ever start, redshirt freshman. Like, if you're telling me by the time that guy's, you know, halfway through next season that he's routinely getting 290, 300 yards, I'd believe it. Like, he looked, he looked good. Little yeah. – one one too many like passes that were deflected at the line for my for my liking. He's got to fix that. I know he's only about six feet tall, but um, 
but you know, like whatever he can fix that. Um, and uh, yeah, let's like, let's go. We got a quarterback. Like I have no question about that position. I, I hope he's got someone to throw the ball to. Yeah. And then uh, along those lines, two other things I wanted to talk about uh, very, very quickly was uh, Cam Davis uh, kind of like the fifth running back in the rotation that we had uh, for fourth or fifth or whatever. He looked really nice coming out of the backfield uh, uh, and actually ended up having a decent little receiving game. Uh, and then, uh, so I'd like to, you know, see him worked in more, uh, at least as, I mean, he ought to be the third down back, you know what I mean? Like if, if we're in passing situations, he's, he looks like what you want your NFL third down back type guy to be. He can run a little route and he catches the ball when it's thrown to him. There's not a lot of that on this team yeah. along those lines. Uh, Kate Otten with only one reception is a problem for me. Uh, Unacceptable. yeah. Cause he also is a guy who's shown he can catch the ball and we're screaming out for this. We need that. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, so that was a good, good long show. That is it for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers. For Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week.